It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Smart Money Questions. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Matt Hausman. He's the founder of Old Security Group. Serving you with an office in Westchester, PA, and in Newark, Delaware as well, and serving clients now in multiple states all across the country. You can find Matt online by going to smartmoneyquestions.com. And it's time for another one of our mailbag editions of the show, where we love taking questions from listeners just like you. And we've got a couple of good ones to feature from across the country on today's show. The first of which, Matt, comes to us from Stella down in Tennessee. Stella says... Should I be worried about what will happen to the market if we end up in some kind of international conflict? I don't even like watching the news anymore. Seems like we do have a lot of <laughs> elements of news <laughs> and featuring uh, international potential conflicts out there, Matt. Well, and, you know, first of all, I, I want to commend her for not watching it because I don't watch it. You know, I was just talking to a client that was in today. And he was telling me that about two or three years ago, he just stopped reading the papers yep. because it would just make him, you know, so angry because of the different positions people would take and stuff. But, you know, the reality is that markets are going to move based on the information that's available and, and what's out there. And so I'm sure if there is some type of a international conflict, the different things that we've been hearing about over the course of, I guess, about the last six months to a year, Russia, China, you know, right now we're talking about or have been talking about tariff issues. We got North Korea. We got all of that. And so the market can move with that. I think that I'm sure there could be a little pullback in the market performance if there is a conflict. So the next question I would ask, Stella, is, is all your money there? Because if all your money is there, then, yeah, I would definitely be worried about it. But, you know, when we have investable money, that's monies that we're and how we're investing and how much risk we're taking that would be subject to any type of a conflict, whether it's international or even domestic, is how you can overcome that and making sure that we have our money in the positions that they need to be based on when we're going to need them, based on what the purpose is, and maybe mitigate some of that risk that can help in the event there is a conflict. And even if you go through all of that, I would still recommend not watching the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, Matt, it was the comments sections of news articles. I, I could handle the news, TV news. I could handle that. I can even handle the articles and, and kind of make my own decisions on things. But I loved, like, at first, reading the comments sections of articles. I liked seeing what other people thought about certain issues. But Boy, over the last couple of years, it just got worse and worse and worse, and everything just evolved into the same arguments over and over and over. It just got so tiresome, and I just found it's interesting the impact that that has on the psyche because you talk about your client getting angry and, and the people that you've talked to before, how they got so angry at stuff. I felt the same thing, like all this anger over a person I don't even know who could be a 12-year-old just being a jerk, you know, on a comment section somewhere, you know, kind of making you upset. And so you just disengage, and life was much better after that. And that's so true. And the thing I – what I really think is driving this is because the media in general, in all forms, so, you know, news, print, and TV, is – because we have things coming at us all the time, 24-7, on our phone, on our tablet, on our laptop, you know, on the radio, on Sirius, satellite radio, on TV, 
is they have to come up with such bold statements because we've become desensitized to real information. So they have to, it's almost like now everything has to be a title that belongs on TMZ or the National Enquirer. And even when you get in there, and, and I had someone shoot me a, a picture of this the other day, which was really crazy. And this was a picture of the Wall Street Journal, one of them which was in the South, and one of them that was in the Northeast. It was the same article that was titled differently to what the media outlet or the Wall Street Journal was thinking, this is what this group of people wants to see. Oh. It'll be on the front page above the fold. We'll sell more papers. Wow. Interesting. I mean, think about that. Well, I, I've know? heard of like magazines obviously having like regional cover pages and that sort of thing. So the, the person on the featured covered page might be different in one region than another. But I hadn't really heard of newspapers doing that before. Yeah. For me, it was shocking but it didn't surprise me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's eye-opening. It's definitely yeah. eye-opening. It's like you know this stuff is going on. And the article I read about it was essentially stating, you know, are we really not thinking the media is trying to control us? Mm-hmm. Like they're putting this stuff out there and it's constant where they recognize we're desensitized. So they have to come up with something more outlandish. And some of that is not even in the titling of it, but then is in the articles themselves or the quote news. So that's where I think going back to what Stella was talking about and what the market can do. You know, I think the market takes all of that radical stuff into consideration and is really looking at what the potential would be if something happened. And then that's where you have market movement based on that information. I think it's a great point. Good question, Stella. Thank you for submitting that one to us. If you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, just go to smartmoneyquestions.com right there on the site. You'll see where you can ask a question to be featured on a future program. We'll stick with S names and go to Steve in Pennsylvania, more closer to your neck of the woods there, Matt. Uh, Steve says, and it's a bit of a longer question, so uh, get those attention spans tightened up here. Steve says, our son is applying to colleges. He really wants to go to an out-of-state school, but I don't think we can afford it. We'd have to take out a lot of loans to help him out. Is it okay to pause our retirement contributions, since we're at an all-time stock market high anyway, and shift those dollars to the loans and school payments? Then we can just resume retirement savings after school, and perhaps the market will have dropped and we'll have timed it just right. <laughs> well, first of all, let's understand market timing. Let's let's kind of take that away from the question that Steve has here. Let's just address the idea of pausing our retirement contributions. You know, there's been a lot of experts out there recently that have really cautioned against putting your retirement on hold to fund education. And there's many different reasonings. I would tell you to really look at that. And maybe the best thing to do is to look at where are your retirement savings and how far along are you and how far are you from retirement to be considering this? You know, if you're within, you know, four to seven years of retirement and you're not 80, 90% funded, I don't know that I'd go down that road. You know, I think I'd be talking to him that, you know, PA has got some pretty good state schools. <laughs> yeah. But this is kind of personal. You know, parents have different ideas on the things that they want to help their kids with. But you do really want to consider potentially saddling yourself, first of all, with debt. And please understand, student loan debts are what are called super liens. That means there is no way to get rid of them. 
You can't declare bankruptcy and get rid of them. They are, I mean, they are there and they're going to expect their money. So really sit down and, you know, we always talk about questions. There's multiple questions that if you were in my office, I would be asking you. And I would probably even invite your son to come in and let's really have a unbiased, non-emotional discussion about what do we really, you know, one of the things I would ask is, okay, well, what kind of what line of work is he going to go into? What kind of degree is he going to get? Yeah. What's the ROI on the back end? But, and what you know, big of a difference does it make? I mean, because certainly some things that you might want to study, well, your chances of securing a better future and and vocation, those kinds of things, yeah, might actually be increased if you go to a school that's really well known for that kind of, uh, if, if you've got a chance to go to the number one business school in the country versus, you know, your local options are, you know, numbers 150 through 250, well, all right, well, may, we can maybe make an argument for that higher-end business school if you've got that kind of opportunity. But but if it's, you know, you're going for a communications degree, and I'm not knocking communications degrees by any means, but, like, is a communications degree at an out-of-state school that much more valuable than one in-state? Yeah, and, you know, I've got a client that mentioned this to me about five years ago. And what he said was, is he goes, you know, where, where you end up going is based on the network that you're going to surround yourself with. And you really begin building that network in college when kids go to school and they begin to expand. And in his particular case, his child graduated from right here at Westchester University and is now out working with some very well-known directors in California. And he did not. He went and got a general business degree. On the flip side, I can think of some kids that I know that went and got their degrees and they're not doing anything even close to what their degree is in. So there's different there's a there's other questions that you would ask. But what I would tell you, Steve, is I would really sit back and there's more analyzing that needs to be done before you just put off your your retirement. Some of the experts would say absolutely not because you are only going to have so many earning years left at probably your highest earning amounts. So by pushing that off to help the son might not be the best interest. Your son still has a long earning potential as compared to you might have a short. So there's more things that I would tell you really to consider before just automatically stopping. And definitely don't be thinking about market timing, all-time highs. Maybe we can come back. It's at the low again. I would tell you that shouldn't even be part of the equation. There's much, much more to it. Yep. Really good question, Steve. You sparked some good discussion here. And I think we could probably do an entire podcast on just that question, Matt, because there's so many layers to it from market timing to picking in-state versus out-of-state schools to putting off contributions for one reason or another. Is the stock market truly at an all-time high, or will that quickly be outpaced? So many different layers here. So always going to be worth a discussion in the office with a situation like that with Matt Hausman and his team. Or, Steve, since you're in Pennsylvania, you might be close by. If you're not in Pennsylvania and you want to set up a time to meet with Matt anyway, you can do that with a digital meeting. Very easy to you know get together over Skype and utilize technology that way as well. SmartMoneyQuestions.com. Submit your questions there to be featured on a future show or just to get in touch directly with Matt as well. We don't have to feature your question if you don't want it. Aaron's got another good one for you here, Matt. Aaron's in Florida back down from your uh, your old neck of the woods. I've bounced around to a lot of different jobs and have lots of 401ks with small balances. Is there a way to just merge all of these into one to make it easier to track it all? Absolutely, and you should do it yesterday. 
<laughs> what I would tell you to do is all you need to do, it's very simple, is you go out at whatever institution you want to utilize for your IRA investments. That's what you're going to establish is an IRA, individual retirement account. And once that's established, you're probably going to need to call all of these different 401ks because usually they have their own paperwork that you will need to fill out and send back to them and have that money transferred. It's called a qualified transfer to your new IRA, one location. It's a non-taxable event to do these transfers. And then you can pick and choose what your investments are now. You'll get many more investment options. That's what's currently in your 401k and it'll be a lot easier to track and you won't lose an account out there that might only have three or five or $10,000 that uh, you're not paying attention to. So absolutely, Aaron, I would recommend doing that as soon as possible. No tax on those accounts as long as you do it properly, Aaron, if you uh, make a couple Correct. of missteps, because you may see an option of, oh, we can just withdraw this and put it in your bank account or send you a check. And you might say, oh, that's great. I'll just take that. I needed a new car anyway. Be careful, because now you are going to pay tax and possibly penalties and some other things on there, too. So, And actually, let me just jump in on that. That's a great point, Walter, is the IRS came out with a rule a couple years ago that let's say that, Aaron, you got four and on two of them, they accidentally sent you a check. And now the question is, OK, can I take advantage of a rollover, the rollover opportunity that states if money comes out of a qualified account, qualified retirement account, I've got 60 days to move that money back in to a qualified retirement account, in this case, an IRA. The IRS came out and said, now you can only do that one time every 365 days. So if it happens twice, you're out one. The other thing to remember is what you put back in. So if they went ahead and they took taxes out, let's say it was 10 grand and they took out 20%, they took $2,000 out in tax. If you want to get that $2,000 refunded back to you, you have to put all 10,000 in to the rollover and wait for the refund when you file your taxes. So Walter, that's a great point. And understand now we can only use the rollover rule one time every 365 days. So real important to understand there are a couple logistical things you want to make sure you get correct when when doing that. Yeah, a lot of people, Aaron, find it helpful to work with an advisor, a financial coach, if you will, just to have them walk through that process to make sure it's all done correctly. And if you've got some other financial things to talk about in the process, like if you don't have a financial plan pulled together, which if you've got all these scattered 401k accounts tells me that might actually be the case. Well, it's also just kind of a good opportunity to have and open up those discussions about the larger view of your retirement plans when you're assembling all these accounts together. So that might be worthwhile to do as well. Good question, Aaron. Thank you for that one. All right, we've got one more on this edition of the podcast, Matt. It comes to us from Lauren in uh, my neck of the woods in North Carolina. Lauren's got a really interesting question, and I would imagine that this is probably a pretty common conversation that happens, whether it be an individual having the conversation internally or between couples where there might be a disagreement. It has to do with timing with uh, coming in to meet with a financial advisor like yourself. And Lauren says, my husband is pushing me to start planning for retirement and to meet with a financial advisor ASAP. I don't understand why. We're still probably about five years away from retirement. I'm thinking, wouldn't we just come in to meet with an advisor once we get about six months out? What do you think? Well, you're right. I, I get that one a lot. 
<laughs> and Lauren, what I would what I would tell you is, and this is what I tell people when I hear that that question is, if you're five to seven years out, that is the ideal time to really start looking at what opportunities you're going to have for when you're going to actually retire, the paycheck stops, and where's the income going to come from. And what I usually let people know is you only have real good planning opportunities from a tax perspective until the age of 70. So if you're 60 now and you're like, I'm not going to retire until 65, the reality is you've got 10 years, especially if we have large amounts of money in IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, which is predominantly what I see. You've got 10 years now to potentially mitigate large percentages of the tax that's going to be due on that. And so I would tell you sooner than later, I would agree with your husband is the best time to really get involved and start looking at what that planning process is. So you're taking advantage of time because many times, you know, I had someone in my office at the first of the year and we actually met two and a half years ago and it was a very brief meeting. They'd come to a workshop they came in, we just did, I talked to him briefly about, this was right after the social security changes end of 2015. And the response was, you know, well, I'll let you know if, if we want to, you know, if we want to come back and actually do some planning. I didn't hear from him. Next thing you know, I came in on a Monday and we usually have a Monday morning meeting and we're kind of looking at this week and the following week. And I said, oh, who's this coming in? They go, they said they came, this was Stephanie in my office. She goes, they scheduled an appointment. They want to talk to you. They came to a workshop that you did about two, two and a half years ago. I was like, oh, okay, that's great. When they came in, next thing you know, I find out, well, we're here because uh, we might be let go in 90 days. Let's start planning. Wow. And usually what's happening at that point, the one thing we want to also look at is not only are we needing to do some quick planning because we've got 90 days before all of a sudden the paycheck is going to stop, in this case, the significant income that they're getting, we got to do social security planning. We got to look at where the money is, what adjustments can we make and potentially start taking the money out. But we only have a certain amount of time. We've lost two years of tax planning opportunity that really would have helped them because we're getting closer to that age of 70. In this case, they were uh, 65 or they were 65 when I saw them a couple years ago. Now they're 67. That's a big difference. So there's multiple reasons why I usually tell people, and I heard another advisor say that, you know, the hazard area of retirement planning or distribution planning, and what I'm talking about is different than just, quote, retirement planning when you're in 2030s, 40s, 50s, is now we're going to be at retirement, let's call it income planning, distribution planning. How are we going to continue that retirement paycheck when we're no longer working? And he called it the hazard years. This is your retirement hazard zone from, you know, five to seven years out. Because if you make mistakes, if you're invested incorrectly, if you still have your money at your 401k or your brokerage account invested as if you were 50 and we have a market correction and you'll hear me say this, let's forget 2008. Let's go back though and let's look at the early 2000s two and a half, three years of consecutive down. And all of a sudden, and we see this a lot now, forced into early retirement or like this couple, I might be out of a job in 90 days. My contract is coming up and I don't know that I can, you know, that they're going to keep me. That's a big deal. That's something we really, you know, you want to be prepared for that, for losing a job unexpectedly, forced into early retirement or market correction and making sure we have our monies 
position correctly to where if there is a correction, you're not necessarily going to have to go into that account to replace the income you might lose. So I would tell you really, really consider sooner than later is better for your overall retirement happiness when that day finally comes. Plus, in one case that we had last year, a client was able to say, oh, so you mean if I just get sick and tired of my boss, I can just pull the plug? Yep. And they were thinking that they couldn't do it for a couple of years. Hmm. So that would be my, you know, whether it's me or whether it's obviously someone else, you find someone that you can, that you work with, that you're comfortable with and that you can trust. But I would say sooner is better for your overall retirement happiness. I think that makes a lot of sense, Matt. And uh, it's a good smattering of questions today on the mailbag covering kind of everything from, you know, international conflict and market volatility to preparing for college to 401k balances and coming in to meet with an advisor. When's the right time to make all that happen? If somebody, I know we have a lot of people who listen to the podcast, you know, every single week, you're a loyal listener. And if that's you and you're good to go, you, you can go ahead and turn off the podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. If it happens to be somebody's first time tuning in today, Matt, first time they've kind of stumbled upon us and they're kind of hearing some of this information, they've never really worked with a financial advisor before, give me a brief idea of what it looks like if I've got a question like this, like Stella or Steve or Lauren or Aaron asked on the program today. I've got that kind of question. Want to come in to meet with you or connect with you if I'm not in your local area you know, via Skype or something like that? What's the process look like? How does the conversation usually evolve? Well, it, it's interesting you ask that and you kind of you kind of threw it at me right here at the end I kind of like that. You know, let's say it's Stella and you have that particular question. Normally someone is going to walk into our office or they're going to get us on the phone and they're going to have a couple questions or maybe four or five at the most. And usually what I'm going to do from there or my goal is through that initial conversation they're going to recognize that there's probably about 20 to 25 questions that they didn't even know they should be asking. And I call that the discovery is we go through that. And what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to uncover what the person is really wanting to do. What are many times the question like in Stella's case or the college case is there's so many other layers that we really need to that maybe they don't know or they don't initially want to let us know. But through the course of that conversation, they end up being able to recognize the importance of those other questions. And so we go through that. Usually that can be a one or two appointment process. And I call that the discovery phase. And then the second one is going to be the design phase. And that's where we work together. We're going to educate the person on the different moving pieces that they have in place right now and understand them, the rules behind them, and then where we can position them in a greater opportunity for them to achieve what it is they're wanting to achieve. And everyone's got different goals, different dreams. And so we kind of look at that as a way to design their particular plan specifically for them. I think that makes a lot of sense. So if that's you, if you're like Stella or Steve, Aaron, and Lauren who have questions about your financial plan, you want to reach out to Matt Hausman and the team at Old Security Group with offices in Westchester and in Newark, but serving clients all across the country, you can do that one of two ways. Give a call directly to Matt and the team at 610-719-3003. That's 610 719 
888-900-3003 or find them online at smartmoneyquestions.com. There's uh, the blog is on that website, more resources to learn about financial planning. And of course, you can get in touch with us through the site there as well, smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Hey, Walter, real quick, yeah, before go ahead. you what jump you off, go for I it. just thought about this. When this comes out, we're going to be right near the 1st of April. And I wanted to let everyone know with our smartmoneyquestions.com what we're going to be doing moving forward. And we're going to incorporate that website and utilize all different forms of educational resources for people. So we're still going to have the blog, but we're also going to be having new video content that's going to be coming out on a very regular basis along with written content on the blog. And we're hoping that this everyone's got a different way to learn. For instance, I'm a very visual person. And so we're going to be offering these different opportunities, different mediums for people to gravitate to and take advantage of to really, you know, our our main mission and philosophy is in education and making sure that we're asking the right questions. And so beginning of April, you're going to see a lot more of that other content that will be available. So we're real excited about that. We're going to get to see your face for radio in video format now. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Actually, I'll be shooting more videos in our office as it pertains to the different lunch and learns for the people that can't do that, or maybe just something else that another presentation that I think is going to be good for people at the time, maybe a current event. And then we're also going to be doing more written content that's going to be on the blog. So we're going to try and do use all three. So we'll still have the podcast. You know, one of the things that we're going to hopefully have with the emails that go out to the podcast is we're going to have highlights on what each particular podcast is detailing. So for instance, the questions today and have some resources in addition to just us talking that people will be able to utilize. And then we'll do the same thing with the video and the same thing with our blog post. So we're real excited about really getting that part of our business, getting that information out there. Thank everyone for listening to us. But, you know, use this as a format, hopefully, to forward out to the people that you care about that you think would get information. We're going to try and cover information that isn't just for people like within four or five years of retirement or even in retirement, but all different generations on where they are and, and really help get more financial literacy out there for all generations. Makes a lot of sense. I love all the different ways that you can get educated. I think that's poignant, Matt. There's different ways that people learn, and I like that you're meeting people in their territory where it's best for them, whether that be written, video, or audio, and uh, we'll kind of cover all the bases on smartmoneyquestions.com. So definitely some exciting improvements to look forward to on the site, and uh, that'll be coming your way with all those improvements launching throughout the month of April as well, so keep an eye out for that. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Smart Money Questions podcast. For Matt Hausman, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us.